0: Isaiah 56. We'll see today that all are invited. All may participate in God's program. All should participate. And then, surprise, not surprise, uh, the religious elites do not really participate in righteousness in this chapter. Isaiah is moving us forward in time today. He had been addressing the community of Israel in exile. Keep in mind, his life was lived 100 years before the exile even began. And In chapters 40 through 55, he is encouraging them, preparing them for a time when that exile that was yet in the future, 70 years later after that, would then come to an end and they would need to leave their comforts in Babylon. They would have nested and settled in Babylon by this time. According to the prophet Isaiah, he had encouraged them to do this. But the time was coming that they were to leave and to go back to Jerusalem, which was a wasteland. It was hard living. There's nothing attractive about it. And so he has spent that time encouraging them to prepare for that. And really, there's maybe three sections in Isaiah. In chapters 1 through 39, we see that Israel is not righteous. Thus, the exile was going to come upon them. Chapter 39 ended with a very righteous king, Hezekiah, being not righteous, recounting his time when he allied himself with Babylon to try to take down the Assyrians. And so chapters 1 through 39 really showed Israel that they were not righteous Chapters 40 through 55 show Israel that there is an imputed righteousness that would come to them through the suffering servant. The foundation of why God was going to restore them to the land was not really their own righteousness, but the righteousness of another, the suffering servant. And, uh, of course, we we saw the pinnacle of his revelation in chapter 53, and, and it could be none other than Jesus Christ. But now we are in chapters 56 through 66, and what does righteousness look like if you are unrighteous? and you're being restored based on an imputed righteousness, what does your life now look like? We just finished a chapter. Look at chapter 55. Go back one chapter, verse number one. We saw this free invitation where it says, Come, four times. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. So you have this gracious invitation that is entirely free, but now you look at today's chapter, chapter 56, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, keep justice, do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. So we have just finished one chapter that talks about the free gift of salvation. Without, you, you buy, it's a transaction. Without money, without price, the price is not yours to pay. And now we begin another chapter, the very next chapter, that's talking about how you need to do righteousness. So which is it? Are you saved by grace, by the gift of God, or are you saved by doing righteousness? Well, I think we will see as we study the next 11 chapters together that you are not saved by doing righteousness. You do righteousness because your salvation is very near, because there is reward, because you want to please your God. So we will dip our toes into that theology today. We will also see the inclusion of Gentiles and, and we will see the inclusion of eunuchs, those whose bodies had been mutilated and by the Torah had been excluded from worship in Israel, uh, with, with, in the assembly, uh, assemblies of Israel. And then, of course, we will see those last few chapters where spiritual leadership is uh, wanting. So verses 1 and 2, encouragement to observe righteousness as salvation is near. Verses 3 through 8, foreigners and eunuchs all are invited. And verses 9 through 12, The religious elite who are utterly worthless let's look at chapter 56 verse 1 thus says the Lord keep justice and do righteousness for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast who keeps the Sabbath not profaning it and keeps his hand from doing any evil let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely separate me from his people And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons, than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcast of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. All you beasts of the field, come to devour. All you beasts in the forests. His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. But they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Come, they say, let us get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. Let's pray. God, as we look at your word, we thank you that your invitation is open and broad that nobody is excluded. As we, look at, uh, as we look at Gentiles, as we look at eunuchs, everyone is included in your plan. And Father, we thank you for your graciousness and your, the breadth of your invitation. God, we thank you that we have imputed righteousness in the suffering servant, our Savior Jesus Christ, but we thank you you did not leave us with imputed righteousness only. You have freed us, Father, to live in righteousness, to please you, to earn eternal reward, Turn that commendation from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. I pray you'd bless us as we study this today. God, I pray that your word would not return to you void, but it would accomplish everything you intend in my heart and in the heart of each one listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll begin our study here and our outline uh, with an encouragement. Be righteous in preparation for the Lord's righteousness is being revealed. Be righteous because... God's righteousness is soon to be revealed. Look at verse 1. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come. Do you see that logic marker? Why should you be righteous? Why should you do justice? Because soon my salvation will come. And, and so you, the idea here is you're going to be very happy that you were living a righteous li- life when that moment comes that his righteousness is revealed. For you, that may come when you die which will be very soon. Life goes quickly. And, and, uh, or it could be when Jesus Christ comes, which is the next thing on the calendar of God's plan for mankind is the return of our Lord. It does not say, be righteous and do justice in order to earn my salvation. It says, be righteous, do justice, because my salvation is about to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this. And the Son of Man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Keeping the Sabbath, to, to be a Sabbath keeper is to be a law keeper. It's kind of like one for the whole. It's kind of like using the word cheesehead. It, it refers to more than someone who wears an, a, an orange wedge on their head. It, 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 to be a Sabbath keeper is to be a, a Torah keeper, is to be a, a child of the covenant. It's fascinating that righteousness is associated with keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath is God's gift to mankind. It does not not exist in any other ancient culture that I've ever studied that there would be a day of rest. Babylon came close. They had at new moons. They had a day that would be dedicated toward worshiping their gods. But you still worked. It was just a day dedicated towards keeping the gods in mind and worshiping the gods. Uh, Our God is very different in this regard. He said, here's how you're going to honor me. You're going to take a day of rest, and I will provide for you. On your end, you've got to exercise faith, and I will provide for you. The the thing that we have closest to it in my life would be tithing, where you're giving of the first fruits, and you don't have all the answers financially, but you're giving that tithe, and, and you're exercising faith, and you're just trusting God for the trials or triumphs that come. And, uh, and, 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 and our God is just so unique that a day dedicated to Him would be marked by resting from your labors. In the world, that doesn't make sense. You eat every day, so you need to work every day. Now, I know we're, we're part of a new modern culture, and I think through unionization we had Jews and Gentiles, so you had this concept of a weekend, and now we have two days of rest, and, and globalization, it's spreading everywhere, but it's a rather recent phenomenon. It just simply was not that way. And our God authored this thousands of years ago that there would be a sabbath that there would be a day of rest that he would provide for you and you by faith would lay aside your labor and allow him to do so it's rather remarkable but but the idea of sabbath keeping being a sabbath keeper is to be a participant in god's law you're not a sabbath keeper if you go out and commit murder and adultery Uh, you're just not part of that crowd as we uh, position the text here today, uh, there, there's, there, there's these different parts of Isaiah, and I just want you to understand chapters 1 through 39 uh, really condemned the failure of righteousness in ancient Israel, and, and, it, and it was highlighted by righteous Hezekiah's failure at the end of chapter 39 in, in uh, allying himself with uh, uh, the enemies of God, with Babylon. And, uh, and, and so there was judgment pronounced. And then chapters 40 through 55, we have the righteousness of God imputed through, God, through God's suffering servant. And, uh, and then here we are going to study, as I understand, the next 11 chapters are going to be about, about um, man not just having imputed righteousness only, but when you have a right relationship with God, it changes you. It, it results in a righteous life. And, and so... This this, this righteous behavior will culminate in chapters 60 through 62 where Israel will be a light to the nations. In chapters 60 through 62, that's going to be a big theme. Israel, righteous Israel, a light to the nations. And we're getting a taste of that here in today's passage. Foreigners and eunuchs, restricted by the Torah in worship, they have some restrictions, can do their part of God's will and participate fully in his glory. In verses 3 through 5, The foreigner is just briefly mentioned here in verse 3, and we'll pick him up again in verse 6. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs, Who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and hold fast my covenant. And that's again where that Sabbath keeping is just law keeping. I will give in my house, notice this, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Now, eunuchs, the term eunuchs throughout history and especially later history can just be a placeholder of something that did not involve what it originally intended, which is a castrated male. Um, it's kind of like the, the term cupbearer. Uh, if you see that somebody was a uh, a, a, a cupbearer or a... Um, uh Rabshakeh, if you remember the, Asi- uh, the uh, Assyrian Rapshika, who was so smart in negotiating with the Jews on the wall when they had Israel under siege. Uh, I believe that name Rapshika also referred to cupbearer in, in Assyria. Uh, the cupbearer was so close to the king and such a confidant with the king that he began to be, uh, throughout history, began more and more involved in the affairs of the king and the decisions of the king. And, and it eventually came to the point where the cupbearer could be the number two man, the household steward, if you will. And, and so the idea of just simply bearing the cup of wine and tasting, making sure the king isn't going to die and all that, yeah, that's the history of what it was, but what it became was something much more. And The same idea with eunuchs where, where the, over history, that title, eunuchs, uh, it came to be just court officials and th- people who were close uh, had, had certain duties within the court. But throughout history, especially early history, uh, it was literally people who were um, castrated, and, um, and that's what's intended here. Uh, the idea beha- between having a eunuch set over a royal harem would be that there'd be confidence that there was no shenanigans uh, that would confuse the royal lineage. If you had a prince who was number one in line with to be the king, according to birth order, and more and more and more as he grew up, he had just a remarkable likeness to a member of the court who was over the harem, all of a sudden... Son number two has reason to kill son number three, son number one and take over the throne. So you just you wanted eunuchs in those places. Now, Deuteronomy 23 1 says this no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. The assembly of the Lord, that's referring to eunuchs and, and, and not able to enter into the assembly. The term assembly refers to decision making functions within Israel society. That refers to service in the military, a eunuch uh, could not do this, and also worship activities. They were not allowed to participate in the the festivals together with the assemblies. Uh, Eunuchs were most often prepared at an extremely young age, and uh, when not, the death rate was quite high. Prisoners were made eunuchs as a part of their punishment. Adulterers and sodomites were made eunuch as a part of their means of punishment. Now, when Isaiah says here uh, that, uh, uh, that I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughter, Isaiah is not in this passage negating the Torah command that says that eunuchs could not enter the assembly. Uh, what, what he is doing, he's talking about the future, what God is going to do in the future. And so I would take this to be ultimately fulfilled in the 1,000-year millennial kingdom, the thousand-year kingdom, where there is a new uh, temple. And Gentiles from all over the world will be flocking to this temple to learn of God and to to worship God. And so I see this as something that is going to be done in a future era, not a negation of the Torah. Verse 4 tells us the three descriptives of the eunuchs who will receive an everlasting name. In verse 4, it says, who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, and Hold fast my covenant. And and again I would say, is this then the Bible saying that eternal salvation is earned by doing these things? Is that what the Bible teaches? And I would say, absolutely not. Let's go back to chapter 55, where the, the gracious invitation was given. Verse number one, just again for review, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Okay, now that that idea of come and buy without money, without price, it's like when we say make yourself at home. You're not at home. And in fact, I'm saying make yourself at home. tells you you're not at home, but you're supposed to make yourself. It's just an invitation to graciousness. And this idea of buying without money, buy it without price, means there's a legal transaction going on, but you can't pay a dime or Perhaps it's not yours to pay. It's been paid by someone else, the suffering servant. And and so you have this gracious invitation in verse 1. And then we see really the gospel in verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 55. Look at this very carefully. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. This is repentance. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. This is not you working off your debt. You cannot work off your debt. This is you with a hard attitude of repenting from sin, of turning from sin. And calling on God and seeking God. And you only do that because you have faith in God. As Romans says, how will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? So we have the gospel here. This is salvation, seeking God, calling on Him in an attitude, and a context of repentance. But what we learn in chapter 56 is that when you forsake evil and call upon God, it has an effect. It's supposed to. You maybe know of some people who came to Jesus earlier in life, and today they have nothing to do with Jesus. And honestly, in their behavior, they have nothing to do with righteousness, And you sit there and you ask yourself, what really happened back there? Was it really real? And you know what? They, in their moments of doubt and thought, if they think about it, have the same thoughts. What happened back there? Is it really real? Where will I go when I die? Today's text teaches us that salvation is not by good works. It indicates that it yields good works and that good works are rewarded, that you should pursue them because they are rewarded. You Happy is the man who is found doing well when our Savior returns. I always like to go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 for this because Ephesians 2.8 through 10 addresses salvation is not by works, but it is on two works. Listen to Salvation 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, so we got that much straight. You're not saved by works. It's not the result of works, salvation. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, uh, what we see in Isaiah 55 and 56 is exactly what uh, 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 Ephesians 2:8 through10 are saying, "You are not saved by good works, but you are saved on two good works, and you need to tend to that." Paul said in Philippians 2:12, "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do and to work for His good pleasure." Why would you work out your salvation with fear and with trembling? To assure your heart that you are God's child. To participate. So you walk through this life with boldness, with assurance, and you enter eternity with reward. I do believe there are people who trusted Christ today who are so far away from him that we and they wonder, am I even saved? And I think that some of them are. But I also think there are people who are kidding themselves. They were offered door number one is hell, door number two is heaven. I'll take door number two. They just made a choice for a result, not a relationship. They didn't repent of sin. They didn't turn to Christ. They didn't love him. They don't serve him. And they very well might be the ones who are told someday, depart from me. I never knew you. So you need to be serious about sin, sanctification, and service. Living in doubt is no way to live. And living in the fear of God, the regard of God, is everything. Constantly asking, what would God want of me here? How would he want me to respond in this secret corner of my life that nobody else knows about? Because at that very moment, you could die and enter his presence, and it will go so well for you to have been turning away from sin and turning toward righteousness. Now, we talked about eunuchs who were by the Torah shut out, being included, being honored in God's temple. Foreigners will be allowed to approach God's temple on the Holy Mount and will there be able to offer burnt offerings in verses 6 through 8. Verse 6, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. So we have these infinitives here, to minister, to love, to be his servants, to keep the Sabbath, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Now that has to stand out to a Jewish person. Okay, this will be a house of prayer for all People, all nations. Verse eight: The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, "I will gather yet others to Him besides those already gathered." That that phrase, that God would make His house a house of prayer for all people, uh, we see in the design of Solomon's temple something very interesting. You have this court here, the court of Gentiles. Now, as I'm understanding, you had the women's gallery, the court of men, you had the area for the priests, and the, the Israelite men and the Israelite women could gather in this area. But the court of Gentiles, there was even, there's even a sign they excavated that upon threat of death, a Gentile would go beyond this sign. It was serious. But they were included. And you might notice, if you look at the square footage of the court of Israel versus the court of the Gentiles, I mean, there's a lot of square footage there uh, addressed for the court of Gentiles. Now, obviously, you had traffic issues. The Jews would have to go through there, but there's a lot of space for the Gentiles. Um, That's Solomon's temple, uh, Herod's temple, likewise. You'll see a very large court of the Gentiles for Herod's temple as well. And again, you've got the uh, court of uh, men, court of women right there in the middle. So what happened to that over time? Over time, the court of Gentiles, you know, it's such a nice large area. And there was a certain amount of business that had to be transacted if you're going to worship in Jerusalem, hundreds of thousands of sheep slaughtered, and not everybody had a sheep to bring, or they maybe were coming so far they, you know they, they just wanted to buy a sheep when they, when they came. Or they had coinage from out in the Roman kingdom, and that would have uh, they would have false gods, the image of false gods, and they, they didn't want to give that for their temple offerings. And so they'd want to change their money over from idolatrous imaged money to to, uh, to shekels. And, and you know, those are all good things. But um, and, and I imagine that the people doing that maybe earned some money. Uh, maybe some of what's going on in this was uh, an exorbitant amount of money. I don't really know about that. But you'll remember that Jesus got very upset with the money changers and the sellers of sacrifices. And, uh, and, and he, he, um, he said this in Mark 11. He was teaching them and saying, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? This, in fact, is when he is casting out the money changers. Casting out. And, and, but he said, but you have made it a den of robbers. So he was very upset by this. And, and he said, uh, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? Okay, now when he did that, uh, what my understanding was, he was upset over the fact that the court of Gentiles had been t- turned into basically uh, a bazaar, a place to do money changing, a place to buy sacrifices. And it had shut out the Gentiles. Now, when he said that, and, and again, think about how they reference scripture in the time of Jesus, 2,000 years ago. About a 1,000 years ago, we had chapters and verses enumerated in the Bible. So, like, I, I could say Psalm 23, and you know that passage that I'm talking about, Psalm 23. Well, in their day, before we had chapters and numbers, you would say, the Lord is my shepherd. And So you could be talking to me about a spiritual issue, and I could say, hey, you know something? The Lord is my shepherd. And when I say that, I'm not just saying he's my shepherd. I'm saying all of Psalm 23, that he causes me to walk through the valley of shadow death, and I don't fear that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days. of All of that is brought in when I would quote, the Lord is my shepherd because it's just such a common phrase. I believe that's what's going on here with Jesus when he quotes, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. You've taken this court of the Gentiles and you've turned it into a place of money transaction and you've shut out the nations. And that is not what is supposed to be happening here. And of course, you know, when he's casting the the, the money changers out of the temple, there's a lot going on in that passage, including the high priest and the scribes looking on and getting very upset with him not only is he disrupting their monetary system, but when he quotes this, I believe he brings to bear what's about to come in verses 9 through 12, and that is that the spiritual leaders are sleeping dogs. They are indulging themselves in drunkenness, in riotous living, and they are utterly worthless and they are living, leaving the people of Israel exposed. Let me just back up and do one other thing, too, and just say this. I'm a, I consider myself a Gentile and in my lineage. I'm, I'm, I'm not... Israeli so this would be my court this would be the limits of where I would go Um, even in the millennial kingdom I I believe that there will be differences that we will be able to go to Jerusalem and offer our offerings and learn of God but I also believe that our home will be outside of Jerusalem I am not Israeli I, I don't have every benefit that they have how should that make me feel how is it fair that they get to be closer to God, that they get to be special, more special to God than I am? It's not a question of fairness. It's a question of grace. There was a parable where a, a landowner hired people at the beginning of the day for a day's wage, and then some people came at a, two hours into the day, four hours into the day, six hours into the day. Those who had only worked two hours at the end of the day, he gave them a full day's wage. How is that fair? It's not a question of fairness. It's a question of grace. And so God chose Abraham. He chose their descendants. And I am just simply delighted to be included in the number that get to access our God. And you know that he honors these people in, in special ways, and I'm not one of them. There are 12 thrones and 12 thrones for the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. You know what? You and I aren't going to be sitting on one of those thrones. That's special for them. And we will be delighted for them that God gave them that grace. There's not going to be any of this jealousy or envy or greediness. And, and, and we would do well to shed as much of that as we could even in this life. God just simply blesses people beyond measure because he's so good to them. And praise God that he does. It, it does not take away from us at all. Well, as I said, when Jesus quoted this passage, he kind of lit a fire under the high priests and the scribes. And again, I think that's because he's, he's giving a Bible reference. Hey, guys, what's going on here in the court of Gentiles? Isaiah 56, all of it, including your leaders, are dogs. They are non-barking dogs. They are blind watchmen. And that's going to be a problem for Israel. That's a problem for God's program. So we'll go to our last point here. Uh, with, the of out, uh, with the promise that outsiders will be brought in, Isaiah warns that the most inside of insiders, the religious leaders, the spiritual elite of Israel, are blind watchmen and silent dogs engaging in inebriated optimism. Verses 9 through 12. All you beasts of the field come to devour all you beasts of the forest. Beasts in antiquities were a threat to life. Whenever you see a relief of a soldier killing beasts, that's not like an ancient copy of Field and Stream. You know, that's not like some weekend warrior who invented his own adventure to go and kill this kind of an animal. No, no, that is a warrior who is protecting the society from a beast that is probably killing people outside the city walls. Okay, so that's something that we appreciated very much and we needed very much. And so beasts were, 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 were a threat, not a sport. So, But but Isaiah is saying, all the beasts, come, come. Why? Verse 10, because his watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs, not barking dogs that warn. They are silent dogs. They cannot bark. They're dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. While the thieves come in and destroy and kill everybody, the dog just sleeps in the corner. Can you imagine such a thing? Some of you maybe can. Uh, You maybe own such a thing. Um, The dogs have a mighty appetite. These worthless sleeping dogs, they have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. But they are shepherds who have no understanding. I mean, see, you go from dogs to shepherds. Leave no doubt. He's talking about the spiritual leadership of Israel here. They are shepherds who have no understanding. They all turn to their own way, each to his own gain. There it is, money, profit. They have each turned to their own gain, one and all. Come, they say, uh, let me get wine, let us fill ourselves with strong drink. So this, this religious class, they, they party, they know how to do it well. They, they've got the, 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 the apex of social life in Jerusalem. Let me get wine, let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be like this day great beyond all measure. I mean, these guys, that, that sounds like a beer commercial. Uh, you know, we're just going to party such as the spiritual leadership. Now, you might remember that Israel had some very special promises and threats from God in the book of Deuteronomy. Right around Deuteronomy 28, blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. The idea of the spiritual shepherds is that they're supposed to warn Israel, you are being wicked, you need to turn, you need to repent, because Israel had this very, uh, you know, uh, th- th- this very direct relationship. In the, in, the, in the Old Testament, God did not send out missionaries the way we do in the New Testament. He put Israel in the belly button of the world, the center of the world. The one land bridge that you could, the only way you could access Africa and Egypt and all the wealth of Egypt and Ethiopia was to use the land bridge of Israel. So Europe and Asia to the north, Africa and Egypt to the south, everybody's going through Israel. And Everybody is seeing this very direct relationship. This is not health and wealth, prosperity, gospel stuff. Uh, this was a special dispensation for Israel that does not apply to the church. Can I say that? It does not apply to the church. Because we don't have the curses we deserve. <laughs> All right? Um, there, there's two sides. You know, everyone wants to claim the blessings. Nobody wants to claim the curses. But um uh, but, but God put them there in the belly button of the world and, and he said, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna make you an object lesson of the world. When you obey me, you're gonna be prosperous beyond belief when you disobey me all of the beasts are going to come in and destroy you you're going to be eating your own young as you're under siege these things are in deuteronomy and and so the spiritual leaders are supposed to warn israel to protect them from those beasts of the field coming in why how by being righteous by being holy by being right with god so that god does not punish israel what are the spiritual leaders doing they're drunk They are are living lives of conspicuous consumption. They are materialistic. They are in it for money. They are in it for station. They are in it for gain. And so when Jesus was being opposed by the religious class and cited this passage, he was citing the entire passage. Isaiah is writing 100 years before the exile. 70 years later, they'd come out of exile. And all of this is talking to Israel while they're back in the land. And so Isaiah is warning here that there's going to come a time where you're going to have spiritual leaders, and this is what they're going to be. They're going to be mute dogs. They're going to be blind watchmen. They're going to be worthless and self-centered. So what we have here are promises to Gentiles and eunuchs and judgment to the spiritual elites, to the religious class in Israel. People of faith are called to live righteous lives. And the life of righteousness is going to stand above birthright. You could be a foreigner. You could be a Gentile and you can be right with God. And you could be delighted in your eternal inheritance, what God is going to do in and around his temple for you. You could be so physically mutilated that you are excluded by the Torah from participating in worship. And yet God is going to bring you into a position of ceremonial purity and honor. Israel lacked righteousness of their own. The suffering servant saves them by by his righteousness. And now we're beginning this section which talks about the role of righteousness among people of faith. God's program includes those who are outside the Israeli community. And even the lowest of those who would have been otherwise excluded are now included. There's also a warning that has been served to those who think of themselves as the religious elite, who think that we are so blessed to have them that they can live off of religion with great largesse and leave evil lives of conspicuous consumption of alcohol. Alcohol. Be serious in your participation in God's program. His salvation is coming soon. Christian, you will be very, very glad if when he comes or if when you die, you are living a life of righteousness. Be encouraged that you do not have to be Israel. You do not have to be David. You do not have to be one of the 24 people sitting on 24 thrones to be delighted. Gentiles and eunuchs will all have their place in God's temple and in his kingdom. And I think the other thing we should take away from this as Americans is not to be living a life that is full of conspicuous consumption and presumption that uh, we can just do this and, and, uh, and, and not reap the wrath of God. Let's pray. Father, as we open up this study today, I pray that you would bless us as we go through these 11 chapters of Isaiah. God, help us to love righteousness, help us to desire it, help us to participate uh, in in your holy spirit's work of sanctifying us from sin god we thank you for the imputed righteousness that we have in jesus christ we look forward god to being like you and we shall see you as you are father we look forward to being able to be in a group like this without any guilt without any history to be ashamed of but father rather in uh, complete purity uh, total positional forgiveness in jesus christ Father, in the meantime, I pray that you would help us to walk with you. I pray that you would help us to be serious. I thank you, God, that you did not leave us with only imputed righteousness. That you left us with progressive sanctification, that we can grow in Christ, that we can grow in righteousness. Help us when we sin, for we do. Help us, God, to repent anew. Help us, Lord, to put on deeds of righteousness. Help us to grow. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for what's coming in Isaiah. We pray that you would just build this body through it. And God, help us to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen.